We've been lied to. Leadership does not have to be a lonely life. If you've believed that myth, you're going to want to keep listening, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, I've got news for you. Leader Life has expanded. Now, there are two podcasts for you to listen to. Leader Life AdLib is a brand new podcast designed to share thoughts, stories, and questions about leadership with you as they come up. These episodes will be short and much less produced than what you've been hearing here on the original Leader Life podcast. I plan to share new content on Leader Life AdLib at least once a week. Now, it's an experiment, so make sure that you subscribe to Leader Life AdLib and let's see what happens. You can still expect new interviews and conversations to be posted here once or twice a month. So that's the news. Now for this episode. Have you been sold the same bill of goods that I have? Have you been told that the leader life has to be a lonely life? If you've been leading a lonely life, I want you to be encouraged. It doesn't have to be this way. My guests for this episode have found that leadership is actually better with friends. Tim Clark, who you might remember from episode 5, and John Phelan are both senior pastors. And they also happen to have been friends for nearly three decades. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. You're about to hear John and Tim talk about how their friendship has been a blessing to each of their lives and how it's strengthened their leadership. I think you're going to be encouraged by what you're about to hear, so let's get to it. It is so good to have both of you on the Leader Life podcast. In fact, I'm really excited because Tim Clark, you are the very first second time guest on Leader Life. Uh, I feel like there should be some kind of a reward for that. But uh, Tim, man, thanks for giving me your time twice. Oh, I'm super humbled to to be able to join you, man. Thanks for asking. I really, really appreciate it. Now, uh, I want to give you both kind of a minute to just give a, a quick introduction of yourselves. And so, John Phelan, since you're the first time guest on Leader Life, why don't you give it a shot? Tell the people who you are. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Tim. And it's a great honor to be with Tim Clark. He's my best friend, and and uh, it's a real joy. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I think you're doing a great job. It's got it's a great service to the body of Christ. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I'm a lead pastor, lead pastoring in, in West Salem, Oregon. West Salem, Oregon, we've been there about 10 years, my wife and I. We have four children. We have uh, two grandbabies. Also, our oldest uh, has got two children. And uh, we've served there for the last 10 years. And prior to that, we were serving in the state of Washington. We were up in a little town called Stanwood, Washington, which is north of Seattle. And we served there uh, both as senior pastors and as youth pastors. So I can remember back in the day when we were serving as youth pastor and then got demoted. Uh, I say demoted <laughs> like uh, a lot of people think it's a promotion, but man, after after senior pastoring for the last, oh gosh, it's been 20 years now, um, man, I, I miss youth ministry. I, I know Tim and I both love youth ministry, but it's a great honor to serve where we're at. And, um, and uh, we have a lot of uh, favor where we've been and, and, uh, the Lord's, uh, done some exceedingly cool things in our lives. And so grateful to be serving him. Yeah. I love it. Uh, for me, uh, Tim, um, I was on before, so I, I'll, I'll make it a brief kind of introduction, uh, for those who haven't, haven't met me. Um, we, I was a youth pastor until I was about 28 years old. And at the same time, John was a youth pastor in Stanwood. I was in Fresno, California. Uh, and then my wife and I planted a church in Seattle. 
And uh, that is a story in and of itself. We were only there for a couple of years and kind of fell flat on our face uh, and, and then took a little church in Newburgh, Oregon, and, and God did some amazing things there. Uh, there for a handful of years and um, became the dean of students at Life Pacific College. Uh, planted a church on campus there before we were asked to be supervisors of the greater Los Angeles district. Uh, and then finally into the place we are now as senior pastors at the church on the way. So it's been kind of a winding road, but every single place God um, used uh, in, in really amazing ways and used in our hearts to prepare us for what he had for and through us. Tim, since the last time we talked, which was pretty early on in the podcast, yeah. uh, could you give us a quick update about how it's been going at Church on the Way with the leadership transition that you are even further into now? Yeah, we just passed four years. Um, so I've always told people and told my own heart, uh, hopefully prophetically at this point, that it, it was a five-year transition. Um, it would take it would take about five years to kind of turn turn things around that needed to be turned around. And and boy, we're seeing some fruit of that. Uh, we've got some a great team that we're working with. And um, while the DNA is still the same that the Church on the Way has always had, embracing the Word and worship and Holy Spirit and prayer, uh, we're just watching a lot of younger people come to faith and and start to be discipled. So there's some excitement here. And of course, every every church has challenges and we're, we're certainly have them too, but um, the Lord's doing great things. We, we can't wait for what's next. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, man, I'm just glad to hear both of you guys are have been doing ministry for a good number of years now and you're both in it and uh, you're committed to it. And that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is as Tim, you, you, you know, you and I have talked about it, that I wanted to talk to people who have found ways to do leadership, but also have a real life at the same time. And that's why I called it leader life, because I wanted to talk about real life in the middle of doing leadership. And so with that in mind, they, they're one of the conversation topics that has come up for me a lot is this idea of friendships and relationships and how, how good relationships really feed into good leadership. And, you know, I've read a lot of different stuff, and we've probably all read the Kerry Newhoff blog posts that he has talked about the importance of friendship and why leaders isolate themselves. But I figured I would just love to sit down and talk a couple of different times to people who have really healthy relationships. And so as I started thinking about people who could be great guests for the show to talk about friendships, the two of you were just first on my list. Uh, I've been watching your friendship for a number of years, and uh, I've actually got some friends who are in leadership in similar ways. Uh, actually, another guest who is a good friend of mine, Shane Jackson, uh, we've talked about your friendship, the two of you, uh, pretty, pretty uh, several times, quite a lot, actually, over the last several years, and had some opportunities to engage with you and ask you some questions. But I thought, man, what a great opportunity to have the two of you on and just talking about your friendship. Now, that said, uh, you happen to be, as we're recording this, you're both in the same room together, but that doesn't happen very often. Uh, no, so, well, I, more than you'd wonder, but yeah, <laughs> not well, all the time because we live a thousand miles away from each other. Right. Yeah. And that's actually kind of where I wanted to start. How is it that the two of you are such close friends, even though you're a thousand miles away from each other? I imagine that that's not how your friendship started. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I frankly... I've never met this guy. I don't know who he is. 
<laughs> Someone just asked me to come into this room and <laughs> it's been a ruse, man. All these decades, you finally Perfect. found out. <laughs> John, no, take it away, bro. You know, Tim, Tim and I, we, we've, we've grown a relationship over the last, I would say 27 years. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't begin, um, you know, instantly. It wasn't something that uh, right off the bat was the closest thing uh, since sliced bread, or it hasn't been the kind of thing. I don't know where closest thing since sliced bread came in, but that. Um, um, but it hasn't been the kind of friendship that just right off the bat was was instant. We had to nurture hmm. it. We had to grow it. It's been over twenty seven years. You know, we we met in Bible college, so we were on the same quad or floor, if you will, of our of our dorm, and and just you know began talking about ministry, began talking about life, and you know. Um, began talking about the word. And, and so our foundational kind of components of our friendship began around Jesus, obviously for us, and about ministry, about youth ministry, about preaching and those kinds of things. So began that way. Yeah. Now, over time, we've lived in different areas of the country at different times. Sometimes we've been a little closer proximity than others. Uh, but the friendship has, I don't think in 27 years, ever diminished. It's not ever gotten smaller. It's only gotten more robust and more helpful and uh, vital, I, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that when when I met John in Bible college, um, we were a couple of of guys, and I'm not going to say the only guys, because a lot of people were doing ministry, but but we were doing ministry like probably unhealthily <laughs> at pretty, the time. Pretty early. Um, yeah. Pretty early, you know, 19, 20, 21, and we we're working like 80 hours a week, but both of us were in the same boat where we were working really hard. And so I, I identified in John, a guy who had the same work ethic as I did in ministry, but also had some of the same um, dynamics and, 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 and vibe and feel and theology and practice. Because sometimes you'll run into people who you just kind of don't see eye to eye with how you do ministry. And it's not that you can't be their friends, but you know, there's not a lot of connection. John and I just connected. And like he said, it wasn't, it wasn't close, fast, best friends right away. But over the years, um, we developed that. And, and I really do think it's a gift from the Lord. Yeah. So, you, you know, for us, you get this gift that God gives you of a friendship, but then you also have to cultivate it. And, uh, and so we've done a pretty good job cultivating it. I was single for the first 10 years of our friendship. Yeah. And he was almost married from the very beginning. Yeah. So <laughs> I do have to give a shout out to Denise because if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be friends still. Uh, she had to accommodate the friendship. And um, sometimes I'd come up as a single guy and just crash on their couch. That would be my vacation. I'd fly from Fresno to Seattle and I had no money except to make the flight. And they'd pick me up and let me crash on their couch for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, you know, we developed some, some relationships that right. way. And then it grew from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, just to be perfectly clear for the listeners, uh, Denise, John is your wife. Yeah. So I've been married to Denise, uh, for well, as long as probably Tim and I have been friends for just, uh, over 27 years. And, and, you know, Tim's obviously now married to, to Deborah and, and I knew Deborah when she was in college as well. And, and, uh, and saw their relationship, um, blossom and, and watched their marriage. And we've all watched our, our kids, you know, be born and grow up. And they've been at my kids' weddings and, and, uh, and know, and know them. And so it's a real cool family relationship and the real dynamic, um, that's, that's really connected that together has been Tim and I, um, 
our families all love each other. They love hanging out. But the real nucleus of that, it's, it's John and Tim. It's Tim and John. It's, it's that interplay that we've had for a lot of years now. Yeah. Now, as you talk about that being a friendship that didn't just feel right away like besties, but was something that, Tim, you used the word cultivate. You said this was a relationship we decided to cultivate. What what does that look like? How do you decide to cultivate a relationship that lasts for a few decades? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. Really wise. Um, because I don't think you can make that choice from the beginning. You know, nobody knows where a relationship's going to go. So you can choose to cultivate a relationship that doesn't end up becoming as fruitful as this friendship. And I think that's pretty common, uh, but I don't think it should keep us away from doing the cultivation because you don't know what the Lord can use. And, and, and in any case, it doesn't have to be that close. Maybe it's a, a good friendship, but maybe it doesn't go that deep uh, as it does with me and John. But for us, cultivation meant we intentionally would call each other. We would, we would check in with each other with ministry. We would do some ministry things together. Amazingly, we've actually never, except for a very short, brief interim period of time when I was helping him with his church. Yeah. I was also planting a church. I was uh, serving their youth group. Ministry, yeah. yeah. But, if, but for a brief moment of time, we've never worked in the same organization together. We've wow. done some ministry projects together. But I think that may also be part of why we're friends. Uh, yeah, that's part of the genius, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, you know, we laugh and we joke about you know sometimes doing projects together or wanting to write or do conferences together and, and plan events. That's one thing. We've also uh, had to kind of consciously observe that perhaps our relationship and our friendship is best uh, when it's not necessarily. Um, in the same organizational structure, right? Um, because we're both type A leaders, we both uh, kind of function in our own worlds, and and uh, you know we're, we're easily submitted to one another. Um, like any, I, I want to use the, the analogy of a marriage, and and that's how sometimes people have joked about Tim and I. But um, but you know it, the reality is that like in any good relationship, there's submission one to another. But I don't know that we would be best working with each other, and not because we have dark, dark sides to each other, but we just know the boundaries. Yeah. Now, having said that, that means we have to work extra hard to cultivate that word you've used, uh, to cultivate that relationship. And that, I'll just ver- verify that. That means we talk a lot. Uh, that means we're, we're always chatting one another. We're always checking in. Um, we try to figure out ways to, to do life together. Like me being in Southern California right now with Tim means we found a way to craft some ministry together so we can hang out and, um, and we can, um, we can continue to nurture this relationship. Part of cultivation, Tim is, um, it it probably took us the first, you know, decade or so to, to really start getting pretty super honest with each other because guys, you know, men, men aren't as, as generally, that's not a quick, that's not a quick thing. That's not a quick reality, but uh, we went through some hard things together, um, some some depressive moments, uh, moments where one of us maybe was on the edge of going, man, does this ministry thing really work? And and really talking ourselves, each other, through some some time that really developed and deepened that trust. Um, and so at some point, you kind of realize, listen, I've put so much effort into this relationship that even, even on a bad day, I wouldn't want to throw it away because right. uh, it's valuable for both of us to keep going. So just like any relationship... It's not always fun. Um, there have been moments where we don't understand each other, where we disagree, uh, where we have to kind of sit down and go, man, I'm just not seeing eye to eye. But I think the honesty and the trust factor is really, really important. 
When you talk about needing to be uh, committed to the relationship and, and having such a long relationship commitment to each other as friends that you, I, I kind of like the way you said that, Tim, that you said, I, we've been in this thing for so long that we're not going to throw it away. Right. Right. What are some of the things that if you were just to, and maybe there's stories or maybe there's just kind of bullet points that you would each uh, rattle off things that you would say that have been some of those earmarked value points of this relationship. Why is this, why is this particular friendship so valuable to you? You know, I, I'll harken back to, to what Tim just mentioned regarding honesty. Um, that's been a big one um, that as a, as a, as a value point for us to be honest. Um, I, I personally went through a series of challenges uh, emotionally and ministerially, even, even in, in marriage and, and, um, and had to get really open, had to get really honest, really fast and discovered that, you know, um, the, the friendship really was born for this kind of time of adversity in my own personal life. And then that becomes reciprocal. So we have to, you know, we have to understand that we go through those seasons, but, but the, bedrock foundation of our, of our um, friendship has been transparency and honesty. I would add to it, you know, there's a, there's a creative element to our friendship too, where we're, it's iron sharpens iron and it's the ability to, to, to get into uh, something and, and work through a problem and try to figure out solutions. And, and we, we've fixed the world a uh, hundred times over Tim and I, we, it doesn't stay fixed. It doesn't stay fixed. <laughs> but Man, we we've solved all the world's problems over over you know a late night bowl of popcorn and and uh, and just hanging out together and so creativity has been a part of it just creatively uh, analyzing and working problems. The other value for us and, and I'll I'll throw it to Tim would be there was a deep commitment uh, early on to to ministry. Now, not to the degree that we would forsake our families or that we would forsake our friendship, but a deep commitment to ministry. And as he alluded to earlier, we weren't seeing within our spheres of influence a whole lot of folks like even early on in Bible college. And then as time goes on, you start to see folks that will fade away. Um, they're less interested in, in serving the Lord or serving in full-time ministry, professional ministry. But we just had this deep commitment to keep doing this. And so it means... We were, we were kind of held to the fire on that one. And we needed each other to kind of help keep uh, our commitment um, pressed on the things of the Lord. So, so yeah, so I think honesty, creativity, and then um, just a passion to stay connected into ministry was a, was a, a number of things. Do you yeah. have any others you'd add to that? No, I just, just to supplement, I honestly couldn't tell you how many times John has texted or called me and said, dude, cut it out. Don't, you know, stop, stop, stop being depressed or stop being, you know, st stop your stinking thinking, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And just <laughs> in a really positive way for me to, to have somebody who understands because other people could say that. And, and while they, they're well-meaning and while they're very wise in saying it, sometimes you can, you can fool yourself and go, well, they don't understand. They're not in the place I am. They don't, they don't face the same challenges. Well, John and I, just, I don't know how the Lord kind of managed this, but pretty much every step of the way, we've been sort of doing the same kind of ministry along the way. And so I can't tell John, hey, you don't understand, because he actually truly does understand. I think I've been the same for him. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just helping each other, um, just develop healthy habits, healthy patterns, 
keeping our eyes on Jesus. If either of us seeing each other getting our eyes off of Jesus or off of the prize, we're quick to call we're it. Quick to call it and just go, hey man, you got you got to work this out. Let's go. And we've just been that way for a long time now, and it's good. You said it was about the first 10 years that it took until you were able to be super honest with each other. So at this point in your relationship, when you say quick to call it, that means that Tim, John could say anything to you or, or the other way around. Is, is that really true? Like you could literally just say anything to each other and you're, you're still in it. I, I'm I, I don't want to be too quick to answer that, but I'm kind of, I'm thinking about it. And I would say, yes, I, I, yeah. I would you agree? I, I would. Yeah, I really would. I can't think of a scenario that would exist or has existed in our past, both of us, where we haven't been uh, forthright and honest. Now we were tactful and, and it, just like you would approach anything pastorally or anything within our churches or even in marriage and conversations that are hard, you know, you do with, with with fear and trembling, you know, just gonna, we're not flippant with one another or, or casual, but, but we've been, I believe as forthright as we can possibly be about pretty much any topics that affect guys, pastors, uh, husbands and, and fathers. I think we've been really open about that. Yeah, I would agree. There's, there's really nothing off the table. Um, and, and especially at this point, like I said, you know, usually you're developing a relationship. There's certain things that you're figuring out, mm-hmm. but after a while, um, you just know you've got somebody who's got your back. We're wired differently. Yeah. And we're friends enough though to know, Hey, give them some space here. And you know, that's all. Yeah. The other thing is, um, as we're so far away, we, we, I mean, I'd love to live in the same town. We'd rejoke that someday when we're retired, you know, we could live in the same place and hang out and uh, be buddies. But, um, it, it's, we have our own lives and our own ministries mm-hmm. and then we'll check in with each other a couple times a week, or we'll, we'll end up in the same place for a different ministry function, you know, every once in a while. And it's just good to catch up. It's good to have our own space and then have somebody that both understands what you're going through, but also can see things um, from a little bit of a, of a, of a distant perspective uh, and speak into that. So, yeah, mm. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's, Oh, it's great. Great insights. So a couple of things that I'm, I'm hearing that I just want to draw out and see if you agree with this kind of understanding of what you're saying is it seems like you're saying that definitely the, the long-term built trust uh, is, a, is a huge benefit for your relationship. You trust each other, that you have each other's back. Tim, you said that was one thing that you said. Uh, you kind of understand each other's personalities and so you know what you each need in the relationship. But I keep also hearing this interesting kind of subtext. It almost seems like you're thankful that you don't live in the same town, that you're, you're not necessarily in the same immediate context. And now I, I don't know, it doesn't seem like you're saying, cause you don't, cause you get tired of each other. Uh, seems like you'd be perfectly happy to spend more time together, but what layer of benefit has been added to your relationship just by the virtue of the fact that you don't live in the same town that you do actually have a thousand miles. You know, I, there's seasons in my life where I can get, um, kind of funky and depression can set in or just the weight of, of ministry can get overwhelming. My wife will often say to me this phrase, she'll say, or she'll ask me this question rather. She'll say, do you, do you need some Tim time? Do you need some Tim time? And, and I'll have to think about it and go, yeah, I do, I do. And, and we'll work out a way to possibly, you know, 
fly me down or, 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 or orchestrate a time where we can get together. And I, I say that because I, the, it's Tim time. It isn't, it's, it's a season or it's a moment where, where our friendship can connect on a deeper level and can kind of pull me out of that place. And I would dare say the inverse is what would happen as well with Tim and my involvement with him. And, and, um, and so would that happen if we lived within two to three miles of each other? It's possible, but I think it's possible, more possible that we would, um, we would not, um, we would not have the same kind of value for it as we do when we're at the distance that we're at. I, I highly value these times. Like right now, currently, as we're recording this podcast, I, I have about two and a half days where I'm hanging with him and we're doing ministry things together. It's life-giving. It's life-giving for me. I'm making the assumption it's life-giving for Tim. And, yeah. and we, can, we can go another couple months and be able to just kind of live on these little interactions until, until our next gathering. You know, and to mention, we all have lives. So we've got families and we've got ministry and we've got friendships that are on a different level that exist within our own context. So yeah. friends that I have in my state and in my church and city, uh, Tim has the same, but they're different. And so we, we understand that and we don't try to make those friendships into something they probably won't become, nor do we uh, try to put too much pressure on our friendship where it's constantly engaging, constantly on. Um, it gives us a couple breaks and it allows us to have some time away and, and, to, um, and to do the things we're called to do. But, uh, we joke sometimes when, when I'm in a bad spot, you know, I'll call John or something or I'll talk to my wife and go, I don't have any friends. I don't, yeah. I don't have any friends. John's my only friend, you know, and I know that's not true. I got some super deep, Absolutely. very, very good, wonderful friendships that have been lifelong friendships also in ministry, but everybody does life a little bit differently. And somehow God's just uh, introduced me and John and, and there's enough wiring together that we sort of enjoy this journey together in a unique way. But it's really good to not just have John as my only friend because man, that, that kind of pressure on one person to say, even though, Hey, you're my closest friend. If you don't have other friends, if you don't have other people you can do life with and have conversations with, that's, that's going to put pressure on that really is unreasonable. Um, and so it's good that we have other lives, other friends. And then just frankly, Tim, if we lived in the same city, I'd be broke and fat because, <laughs> because we put a lot together and we spend way too much money when we're together. So yeah. I'm really glad that, that this is a thousand mile relationship. Yeah. John, your Instagram feed alone is uh, full of times where you're eating and uh, I wish I was just hanging out with you most of the time when you're posting on Instagram. Uh, so I, I, I could see that. More than welcome. More than welcome. <laughs> well, we, love, we love it. I mean, that's some of the commonality of our friendship. So we love uh, experiencing some you know, cool things. We love travel um, and we love food. And so we're kind of you know foodies that love to go places and just try things. And, and um, so that's a commonality. You know, another real general commonality that we have that can be a, a bit of a, a thing we have to manage, and that is our passion for, for ministry. And, and that can become pretty all-inclusive in our discussions and in our thought, you know, life and our prayer and, and, and those kind of things. So, and, and so far, we've been able to kind of juggle that and manage that. But there are seasons where we even have to say, let's just go watch a movie and not think about ministry right now. Yeah. That must be a, a big benefit just to be able to have the same person that you can do both of those things with. We can go 
kind of goof off and eat some food and watch a movie. Uh, but you, you know, also have those late night popcorn sessions where you're fixing the whole world and talking about yeah. your leadership roles as well. Right. Yeah, it really is. It's very helpful to life. And it's great that both of our, you know, our wives like each other. They like us, you know, Denise mm-hmm. likes me most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> an idiot. And uh, then she still likes me. She just, helps helps me get on the straight and narrow but deborah likes john our families like each other so yeah there's there's a lot of support there um for, for that kind of relationship well and our churches also appreciate one oh, another too yeah. so tim's a valued you know kind of extension of our church when he comes and speaks our congregation loves it um i think i think uh the flip is true when i'm here with church on the way and it totally is and uh if nothing else we enjoy it we love being able to minister at each other's churches and we've got a high esteem for each other's congregations it it seems like you are both pretty straightforward with the value of this relationship being uh having being one of the reasons that you're still healthy as individuals and as leaders yep um how would you how would you respond to something like this if you weren't in each other's lives if it wasn't for the friendship that you have over these last couple of decades would you still be where you're at in life and leadership that's a great question yeah i really appreciate that question i obviously it's not easy to to you know to try to speculate on that but i think that's sure. what you would be you know could we speculate whether or not we would be as healthy as we are would we still be in ministry i i have to believe and i would be curious what tim would think on this i have to believe uh i i may not i i, I think there's been enough challenges in my own leadership and in my own you know, personal and ministerial health over a number of years um, that have been navigated, you know, through a number of ways, through, you know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and just the the cleansing work of Jesus, um, the grace and patience of my wife, a a wonderful congregation that, you know, has been so kind and generous. I, I, you know, I began pastoring at 27 years old. So, man, a lot of a lot of my mistakes were made pretty early and, and, uh, and they, it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of seasons that were rough. Um, and yet I would attribute a great portion of the health and, and vitality that I am, you know, to this day experiencing to, to Tim and his involvement in my life. So I would, I would say real, you know, boldly, I think I would be a very different person if I didn't have a friendship of this kind of caliber. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think I would be a very different person. I don't even know. I don't know that I can answer the question because I'm not sure. I I, I know I had enough of a drive for ministry to begin with um, that I, I think I might still be in, but I would be such a different person and a different leader. I don't either. I wouldn't be doing it, or I I don't think I'd be real healthy. I I just real recently been reading uh, some history on a couple of men that were very strong leaders, actually both still alive. Uh, very strong leaders, but both kind of started going off the rails a little bit when they lost sort of their, uh, their relational center, their kind of best friend, the person that kind of kept them on track. And it was, and I'll just say it out loud. Maybe I'll get sued for it or something, or you'll cut it out of the, of the podcast. But, um, it was, uh, it was Michael Eisner, um, who worked really closely with, uh, Wells, uh, who was his COO and stuff. And they really worked together. And once Wells died, 
Um, Eisner just didn't finish as well as he needed to. The other is more recent and a little more painful. Um, John Lasseter, uh, Pixar, who uh, his his best buddy, the, the person that really kind of kept him going was Joe Ramp, who was another one of the animators and creators. And he died in a car accident, uh, you know, a, a, a while ago. And, and they say that from that moment on, kind of things started spinning out of control for his life. And I, I, when I read those, both of those instances, I thought to myself, you know, we don't work in the same organization, but I could imagine had John passed away uh, a decade ago, it would be hard to imagine where I would be right now. Hmm. And in fact, some days I, even to this, I'm 49 years old. And I think, I go, man, I hope John doesn't die anytime soon. I, I don't know what I would do. I, I, you know, I, in ministry, I think there, I'd still be following Jesus. I'd still be doing ministry, but at this point in my life, at least, but there's so much grace and so much resource in this relationship and friendship that God's, God's been gracious to me to, to provide this. You know, I'll, I'll echo that. I don't want to die anytime soon either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to have somebody who feels that about you, right, John? you know the the just the the biblical narrative that comes to mind uh friends of mine that are close to me uh like you guys are close uh i mentioned earlier shane jackson who's my closest friend in the whole world who's also not in my context so a very familiar relationship like yours and I've got other close friends who are in my context as well. And in both of these environments, we talk about the relationship between Jonathan and David biblically. And one of the things that we've talked about, and I think I've even maybe mentioned something like this to you guys in the past uh, outside of this conversation, is is that idea that when uh, David was going off the deep end and making some poor decisions uh, because he didn't go out to war, you know, and and so that if anybody's listening and doesn't know the context, you know, it says that in the season where kings go out to war, he didn't go. And then he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop and he ended up committing murder and adultery uh, in order to just kind of get what he wanted in a moment and cover it up. Uh, Friends of mine like Shane and I have had conversations about how I wonder how that story would have gone differently if Jonathan was alive and around in that moment. That it seems like you guys are even speaking to that same value. Yeah, I agree. I I think you, there's no way to prove it biblically, but I could I could almost assert that David wouldn't have made that call had Jonathan been around. Um, I think Jonathan would have would have corrected him. I think that you know far before he got to that place. Uh, obviously, a different culture, you know, different time period. But I I felt like you know, like I said, I have a lot of really good friends, some very very close friends in ministry uh, that I would never downplay my relationship with them. Um, that have really, we could have that conversation about how they've helped me in ministry be where I am the same way. Right. But with John, it really is a Jonathan David, which is funny because my first name is David yeah, it, and, and this is John. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, it, it really is true though. We are a Jonathan David relationship. That biblical text is about us. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. No, <laughs> Man, that is incredible just to see the the power of that relationship. And I, and I think I, I do agree with you. There's a little bit of kind of like theological conjecture that you would do about the Jonathan-David relationship and what might have happened. Um, but it's interesting to think both of you guys as, as senior leaders in your respective environment, in each other, what you have is, is a thing that really can't be replicated in your immediate circle. Uh, John, I imagine that there probably isn't a person outside of your wife in your hometown right now 
Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it seems like the way you guys speak about your relationship, there may not be another person in your immediate context who could um, uh, pull the collar, so to speak, you know, if, if needed in a moment. Is that, does that resonate with you guys? I think that's a true statement. What I would add to that is that in every person's context, I think they need to try to discover who those people are that are close to them in proximity. Yeah. So where Tim and I have a, about a thousand mile friendship, um, we've had to really work diligently. And this is part of the things that we even talk about on a regular basis is who, who is in our close, close proximity, who does get up into our grill if there are issues um, within our current context and, and to keep us from boredom, you refer to the, the David story in the old Testament to from boredom, you know, like if we're supposed to be going out to war and we're not, who are those people that can observe it quickly nearby us and to be able to speak into that. Now, I don't know that either one of us, I'll just speak for myself. But I don't, I don't know that either one of us have, have really pinpointed that I personally have folks that I really enjoy being with and some, some dear, dear friends of my wife and I, um, that, uh, we've been growing in a relationship with, but, uh, it's not to this degree. And I don't know that that's all that bad. I mean, I think these kinds of things take time and anybody that says they've got a hundred close, close friends is probably lying. Anybody that says they've got 12 or even five or six really, really, really close friends probably isn't telling you the truth. I think it takes everything you got to really nurture one really close kind of soul friendship. Um, but you better have other people around you that have some level of access to you. Otherwise, um, you could, you could potentially find yourself in a, in a rough spot, um, spiritually, um, emotionally, and, and you need somebody that's in proximity with you. Yeah, as well. I, I would agree with that. I think the thousand mile friendship is amazing. You know, it's great. And we've really worked at cultivating it. But you need people in your immediate circle, too, that um, aren't just like buddies, like, yeah, hey, let's just hang out sometime, you know, but people that you really do trust on a level. This this is hard work, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot easier to just separate yourself and go, hey, I got my family. I'm busy. You know, it's all fine. But I'm telling you, Tim, I see guys in ministry all the time that burn out and that and that and that sin out and that, you know, drop out. And and you you find out if they had anybody in their life whether it's a thousand miles away or 10 miles away and you find out that they didn't and it's not malicious. Like, Oh, I wasn't going to have a relationship. Most of the time it's just, they didn't have the, the energy to work on it. Yeah. And sometimes it's because you've been hurt before. And I'll tell you, relationships will always hurt. If you have a friendship, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be fights. There's going to be times when you go, man, I don't see eye to eye, but you got to work on them. And I would just tell any leader, especially younger leaders, mm-hmm. Uh, don't miss that part just because you're too busy in life. Don't at least try to cultivate relationships and pray and ask the Lord to gift you because I believe it's a real gift. Uh, what I've got with John uh, is, is a gift from the Lord and I'm very appreciative of it. Tim, you're actually kind of moving already towards the corner I wanted to turn in our conversation um, and move a little bit outside of your friendship. Having been in this place and you talk about the benefits and the values and, and you were even talking a little bit about some of kind of some of the challenges, uh, busyness and and how easy it can be for us to just be busy or, or be hurt. Um, what else might you add to that? If you were to 
begin to talk about why it is that relationships like yours, especially in leadership uh, or in the lives of people who are in leadership, why do these relationships seem so rare? Is, is there something deeper than just we get so busy? I, I think we have a, a, a great enemy that um, would want to deceive us into thinking that we can do it by ourselves, that we can do this alone, and we really can't. We just simply can't. Um, we've been created for community. We've been created for relationship and friendship. And this enemy of our soul, I think, would want to, to lead us to think that we can do that. And I know that because I, I have a sense in my own heart um, in seasons of my life that I get to thinking, I, can, I got this. I can do it. Um, and we really can't. So we need one another. We also have got a mentality that kind of works its way through ministry and we've been kind of tra- taught this and even trained it, perhaps, that it's, it's lonely at the top and that, uh, man, if you're a leader, you need to have a, a certain sense of distance and isolation and, mm-hmm. and even separation from whether it be the particular flock that you are pastoring, the congregations you're pastoring, or even other ministers. We kind of, we kind of bought into a, uh, a lie that we've got competition out there, that that there's others that are, are vying for um, for our congregations or for um, our ideas, and so you, you hold yourself kind of tightly and you you withdraw. These are all lies. They're very deceptive. Um, it can creep in slowly, though, in ministerial circles, and particularly even in today's age in which we're very socially connected. You, I think, Tim would agree. Uh, I think we're seeing the. The, the negative fruit of this, that in a socially connected society that we're living in, if we're really to be super honest, we would, we would say, I don't have any friendships. I don't have any real deep, meaningful relationships. And yet I can show you all my Twitter followers. I can show you my Instagram yeah. followers. And yet we don't have anything beyond that. So, and when, when you spin that into a ministerial circle, this just gets propagated over and over and over again, that somehow we've got to continue to hold a, a, um, an image to people that we've got things put together and socially we, we portray that. And yet we may be very broken and very need um, of relationships, which, which we've got to nurture. So I think it's a, it's a circular thing that we've got to be mindful of what the enemy's doing, but also be mindful of what is happening in uh, our culture as well. I want to just add one more thing to that. And that is that we have a tendency as human beings, as sinful human beings to need to protect ourselves. And so there's a, there's a self-protection that will preclude friendship because we don't want to be hurt. And maybe we've been hurt in relationship before, or we've heard about pastors who have been hurt by people in their congregation or some kind of, well, they had this expectation. And at the end of the day, what I have to tell people is yes, sometimes relationships hurt you. And if you live your life closed off and cemented off from the possibility of hurt, you also can't be open to the blessing that friendship will bring. Ultimately, I think where that comes from, too, is that one of the reasons our relationship works really good, our friendship, is is a similar reason why other good relationships work. And that is, John's actually not my best friend. Um, Jesus is. And that sounds so spiritual and maybe so, you know, um, you know, the answer is Jesus is the school, you know, the whole thing. But, um, I knew, I I knew he was going to say Jesus. (laughs) But, but here's the thing. If John is, is, or my wife or somebody I'm close to is the be all end all of everything. 
then I'm putting way too much pressure on somebody else. I, I have a relationship with Jesus that is 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 bigger than any of it, and and I believe that my friendships are a relation are, are a gift from the Lord. And if those friendships ever go south, I'd be sad. If John not only died, I'd be sad, of course. But if he ever just got fed up with me, I, I'd be really sad. But that's not the end of the world. G- Jesus is is my source, and so I would just say uh, to any leader who's thinking about friendships and the possibility of being hurt. You know what? If you have friends, you'll probably have some hurt in your life, but don't be so self-protective that you don't open yourself up to the possibility of the Lord bringing along somebody that's going to support your relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was kind of a mic drop moment. I mean, I know you were, I know you, you're, you're kind of self-deprecating and uh, reading like, you know, the t-shirt that you would have bought at the family bookstore or something that Jesus is my best friend, but <laughs> Uh, but, and yet that is such a powerful statement that I think could help us in our friendships, in our leadership, in our marriages. I mean, come on, even our wives can't be our ultimate source of relationship and identity and, and safety. It has to be in Jesus. Um, from my own experience, I I can tell you, I, I have completely experienced that. Yeah. I've been hurt time and time again in relationships by some people that I'm still in relationship with. And then by some people that I'm not in relationship anymore. And then I've been on the hurting end. I mean, anybody who's been married for more than, you know, a week could tell you they've been on the hurting end of a marriage of a relationship or, or on the, on the being hurt end as well. So to hear you guys talk about that, ultimately, Tim, you're so right. It's gotta be that Jesus is the source of our identity. And then we have relationships out from there. I think that's excellent. The thing that keeps coming to mind though, and as I, I want to be really respectful of your time and uh, move towards asking kind of last couple of questions for you guys today. The thing that keeps coming to my mind is what do you say to the person who really, really wants to have friends in leadership, you know, and they, they didn't isolate themselves because of fear. They didn't, you know, they didn't do this to themselves. And yet they really feel like they're just alone right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you encourage that person? Uh, I'll start with this. And this is again, one of those cliches that could sound so cheesy, but it's, it's actually, there's truth to it. Um, you gotta be a friend. Um, you know, there, I know a lot of people who are always looking for a friend and somebody needs to be my friend. Somebody needs to be my friend. And I don't know, especially in the social media world, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail, but, uh, I find that people are always looking for the cool kids to be their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the cool pastor? Who's the hip this? Who's the, who is, I want to be that guy's friend. Now I guarantee you, there are people that nobody's looking at that have the riches and depths in their soul that you might connect with. And it could be an unlikely friendship that God forms a bond in. And so I, I would say just start befriending people and, and, and hanging out with people and having conversations and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, out of all these people that I'm going to start having coffee with, could you kind of show me who maybe a person or two that I could connect on a deeper level with? And, and I think if we're not, sometimes we we have this list, you know, I knew guys that wanted to get married and their list was like a hundred miles long. And I think they're 52 and still not married, you know, cause they didn't, right. everything didn't fit their list. And I think in friendship, it's the same thing. It's like, man, you're not a perfect person. So, you know, you're not such a great catch as a friend. So maybe there's somebody else, you know, you can work it out together. So I would say if somebody really wants a friend, start being a friend. 
You know, I would add, and this is kind of hotly debated in a lot of leadership circles, but I, I think a wonderful pool of potential friendships within leadership circles, particularly for senior pastors or any other kind of um, pastoral staff, is within the congregation that the Lord has placed you in. Now, I, again, I'll just reiterate, I think that's hotly debated. The big question is, can you have friends with people, you know, within your church? And the reason we're even asking that question is because of hurt, because of um, backstabbing, because of shared information that gets, you know, disseminated and, and, and painful and and also because of the most inevitable thing that happens in a lot of kind, well, a lot in every congregation is people leave. People leave, and some of them are your dear, dear friends, and they leave for various reasons. Having said all that, I think it's a risk still worth taking. Yeah, I agree. And again, we can have the debates, and I think there's a, there's merit on both sides. That you know, obviously, Tim's not in my congregation; I'm not in his, and so we we seem to be uh, contrary to that thought. But but if you're looking, start in the in the in the sphere of influence that God's already placed you, and and ask the Lord for a, a a revealing of of those individuals that you can begin to trust and and connect with and. And again, I'll just go harken back to something we said a long time ago in, in the early moments of this podcast is, is our friendship took a, took a while to really nurture and to, to, to navigate. That doesn't, that's the case with every relationship. I think we've got to give it some time. We, we, we can't look for just the instant, wow, we're, we're besties right now. We've got to give it some time. So, but begin in the circle of influence you already currently have. John, I think that's great advice. Actually, I totally agree with you. Uh, in my personal experience, I and I mentioned already in this uh, conversation, guys like Shane Jackson, who are outside of my context, I'm really grateful for. But God has given me these two guys in my context that right. I happen to be their senior pastor today. I'm their senior leader. Uh, but Mark Rondeau and Danny Saltzman are guys that were my friends before we started this leadership thing together. And we have been friends for a long time. And man, I got to tell you, it has been hard work to figure out how to be their leader while also being their friend. And we've had some missteps and some hard conversations and some days where they've been angry at me because I, you know, overstepped things or said things weird or days where I've been angry at them or disappointed or whatever. But but here are some guys who we've been doing this leadership thing for a hot minute, but we've been doing friendship for a lot longer than that. Yep, man. And I got to tell you, I totally agree with, with your thought there, John is uh, I think that I'm as much as I'm thankful for my relationships with guys like Shane outside of my context and I'm better for him and for how he speaks into my life. I am also just as much, uh, safe and protected and cared for by these guys inside my context. So I just want to echo what you're saying there, John, I think it is a great place to start looking. Can you find some people that you really can do life with that? You also have to figure out maybe how can I be their leader? Mm -hmm. Totally. Any final thoughts that you might want to say to anybody who's listening to this and just, uh, what do I do right now? What's the first couple things I could be doing? Uh, if I want to be a friend or open myself up to finding those kinds of relationships. Well, we've got a, a great, great example found in Christ. I mean, he, he even when he said, now I call you friends, now I call you friends. This, this I, idea that, that was um, really generated by the Savior is that he would have individuals around him and near him and drawing close to him that 
be called friends, uh, I think we can be much more like Christ and, and extend ourselves out to more people, recognizing even what Jesus, uh, I want to say, discovered. And that seems like an interesting thing that he would discover. But what was happening in the time of Christ was here was Jesus, you know, with, a, with crowds around him, um, oftentimes then with, you know, 120 to 70 people bring that circle down closer, obviously to 12. Uh, and then you've got him with those three. I mean, you know, we could ask the question, did Jesus play favorites in the, in the new Testament? And I think we would say, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Did he love anyone less? No, absolutely not. But he had, he had a few people. He spent some, some real personal, uh, intimate and, um, uh, deep, deep time with. So I think, a final thought for me would be, uh, you know, just get to know Jesus, get to know Jesus and watch how he loved people and watch how he connected and uh, learn from him and then give your life away to others and, and watch what sticks, watch what lasts. And, and for us now going on 27 plus years of, of friendship, we've, you know, we certainly didn't get into it thinking, this is my friend that I'm going to have 27 years from now. But man, I look back and think I am ever grateful yeah, that I met this guy and that we connected over some really um, uh, uh, fun things and ministry things. But boy, we've been able to share our lives together and really keep each other out of the deep weeds. And I'm pretty grateful for that. That that's really profound, John. Um, I wish I had something that profound to end with. I, I should have said what I was going to say first and let you end it because that was really good. <laughs> but, but I, I want to answer the question because this is just super practical, Tim. And we didn't get into it a lot on this on this interview. We could there we could have gone a billion different ways. Um, but just this: if, if this is for leaders mostly that are listening to this, and church leaders, I'm assuming. Um, but if you're if you're a youth pastor and you don't have friends, go go hang out with other youth pastors in your city or in your denomination and, and just start hanging out, start getting coffee, start having meals, see who you click with. See who you can do. So if you're a senior pastor, go, go do that. If you're next time you go to your denominational conference um, and you feel alone, instead of going back to your hotel and, and, and crying, you know, about it, which I've done in the past. When yeah, John was, hasn't been at a convention. Yeah. Um, the best thing I've ever done is just looked around for people that are also alone and didn't have anybody. And just like, Hey, Hey, you want to go get coffee? Who are you? I don't know. Let's just go sit down and talk. And you just just look for other people that are on your in your context, because the Lord may put something together, and then there's there's a, an automatic camaraderie of at least I can talk about something. Talk about being a senior pastor. Talk about being a youth pastor. Talk about being a kids pastor. So I don't know. That's just a little tip. And like I said, not nearly as profound as what John just said. But I know I'll, I'll, I'll agree that wasn't as profound as what I said. <laughs> Okay. That was nice. That was a nice little moment you shared just there. I, I will say though, I, I appreciate you guys going in both directions on that, that you would share something that would be uh, spiritual and theological in some research and study to go look at Jesus, but then also super practical, just, man, spend some of your time, invest in some people, uh, put yourself out there a little bit. And, uh, and we don't all have to be extroverts to do that, but as we are leaders, uh, we're going to naturally be in circles where there are other people 
around. And so that's a great place to start looking. That's some great practical uh, insight and and tips. Guys, I want to say thank you so much, Tim and John, for taking the time and just kind of sharing your relationship here uh, for the listeners. And I know I've learned a lot and I've been encouraged. And I'm going to go and uh, make some phone calls and send some text messages and say thanks to some people that I love. Uh, after hearing this. And I think some folks who are listening to this are probably going to do the same. So I just want to say thanks on behalf of everybody that listened in on this conversation uh, for just being you and for sharing your hearts with us uh, today. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate you, Tim. Thanks for doing what you do. Keep uh, serving the body of Christ. We love you, man. Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much, Tim. You've been listening to Leader Life. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim Clark and John Phelan. If you want to follow more of Tim and John, you can find them both on social media. It won't be too long before they pop up in each other's feeds. Links to finding each of them online are in the show notes. I know your time is valuable, so I'm really thankful that you've already spent this much of it with me. But I'm wondering if you might give me just a few more minutes. If you enjoy Leader Life, please take time to rate and review the show wherever you're listening right now. That's going to help the podcast grow, and it's going to help me grow as a podcaster. Then, share Leader Life with your friends on social media, wherever you hang out online. And don't forget to subscribe to my new show called Leader Life AdLib. I hope Leader Life has helped you grow as a leader and enjoy your life while you do it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk again soon.